Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are, I am sad, but also excited to say we have accomplished our goal. We set out for this season to have 13 weeks of healthy conversations around healing, health, and wellness. And we've explored conversations from uh, relationships to communication, to finances, to um, our physical health. Um, It has been a wealth of an experience and a journey. And we are coming up on our last episode in this series. And I am actually really excited to connect with the soul that is in this conversation because when we first had our initial conversation, I immediately, I was like, oh, you're a kindred spirit. Like, this is going to be, this is going, first of all, going to make a whole lot of sense because she has such an extensive trauma background um, in counseling and therapy and her ability to speak from a place as a wellness coach. And um, she really just from the title of her business of Legacy Speaks comes from a place of a desire to help individuals move from a place of um, imposter syndrome, broken communication, um, not understanding how to navigate life, recognizing is balance, life balance, work-life balance, and real thing. We're going to unpack all of that. And those are all things that I do daily with Living Strong. So clients who are listening, Facebook family who's tuned in, as well as those who are part of Legacy Speaks um, family and network, we're going to dive in. So I've been talking about her. So let me tell you who she is. So we have Sierra H. Hillsman with us. She is a licensed professional counselor certified anger management specialist, nationally certified counselor, a master's level graduate of the clinical mental health counseling um, from the University of West Georgia. As a certified clinical trauma professional, she is passionate about helping clients who seek to heal from their traumatic experiences and redefine a new sense of normalcy on their own terms. She has been featured on Facebook Watch's Peace of Mind with Taraji Bustle, Fox 10 News, Exo Nicole, and more. As we begin this conversation that she has entitled, Be Well, I want to welcome the opportunity to have this individual 
who will share her wisdom. Sierra is the CEO of Legacy Speaks, which is a training and developmental development firm equipping working professionals and their organization with the skills and resources to combat career-related stressors. I know, I know you're on the edge of your seat, so am I. (laughs) She teaches her clients how to develop a greater sense of self, increase work-life harmony, and improve their leadership skills. I know you've already figured out why there's going to be such a synergy in this conversation. And I welcome you to the flip side of adversity, Conversation Sierra Hillsman. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jackson. It's definitely a pleasure to be on this amazing platform. Thank you so much for your dedication to wellness and individuals who really want to see change in their individual lives, whether it be personal or professional. So thank you so much for the work that you do. I'm so excited and appreciate um, your feedback and, and those kind words. I think from our very first initial preparation for this conversation, I just heard so many layers of ways that we approach this work in a very similar way, but you have a unique vision to the work that you're doing with Legacy Speaks. And I'd like to just jump right into some things that I've been noticing in the work when I've been working. Uh, So a lot of the clients that I work with are either in early childhood, they're in the K-12 Um, environment. They are nonprofits or faith-based communities that are working with uh, either children, young people, or they're trying to make deep impacts in the community. And coming out of the past three years that we've had, it has absolutely impacted how they're navigating constant change, needing to be flexible, having to grow in ways that they've never had to grow before, I'd I'd like us to actually start off with those people in mind and think about what are some ways that professionals can get actually more comfortable with uncertainty and encountering it from a mindset of actually being well. Absolutely. I think immediately with that question, I encourage individuals to at least stop and acknowledge that this change is happening. I think for a number of individuals, we're so used to going from one transition to the next without checking in with ourselves first. And like, we'll literally be in this one place and you look up, it's probably like maybe a year later, maybe two or three years later, and you're like, how did I get here? So one, stopping to acknowledge that change is occurring and then also checking in to see, okay, how can I not only take care of myself, but also take care of the people around me. I'm really big on healing in community. So I encourage individuals to take care of the I so that we can take care of the we. But for those individuals that you're talking about, those who are in education, those are in the healing space, those who are always like serving other individuals, oftentimes they'll put the we before the I and they have nothing else to give. So one, acknowledging that change is existing. Two, finding that right community to help you navigate those shifts. And then also checking in with the the mental and emotional processes that come with like processing your change. 
That word acknowledging is so powerful, I think, as a culture to, um, and, and I think about like this whole grind and hustle concept that you are grinding so much that, that you won't even pause to acknowledge that one, I've lost something. This, this is a new moment and I had to give something else up and that mm -hmm. I'm actually not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> it's a huge thing. But what do you say to people who are those servers, those givers, and they literally, but I feel guilty if I, if I don't keep, if I don't keep grinding it out, I've just got to keep pushing past this. What do you, what, what do you say to their guilt? Oh man, immediately I go into educating them on the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt says that we do bad things. So we're looking at our actions and things that we do as the problem. Whereas shame says that I am the bad thing. I'm the bad person. I'm the issue. And so I'm always asking, are you feeling guilty or are you feeling as though or seeing yourself as the problem? And then I always encourage individuals to one, learn how to master your thoughts. There's a, like a three-step uh, approach that I take, catch it, check it, change it. So catch that thought, check the validity of that thought. When we're checking the validity of the thought, okay, where's the thought coming from? Is it coming from within or is it coming from outside of myself? Is it coming from society, pressure from culture? Is it coming from my family system, the belief systems? And then changing it into something that's more positive and solution focus. And I emphasize the positive and solution focus because we can start off with toxic positivity, right? So it's like, okay, I'm going to be super optimistic. You know, I'm going to say all my affirmations, even though I don't believe them. I'm just going to keep pretending and faking it till I make it. But it's like, okay, you know, let's rest in that positivity that is natural for you. But then also too, let's just not stay in like the attitude perspective. Let's look at the solution. How can we move to something that's going to propel us forward? Now that we've gathered all this information, how can we leverage that to be able to make the next step? I love catch it, check it, change it. Somebody needs to tweet that right <laughs> there. Again, because it actually is counter-cultural in this whole grind, push through, just keep pressing to actually catch it, to, to engage in checking it so that you are positive and solution-focused. Really, I, I would think that that would have to be connected to how grounded a human being needs to be in order mm -hmm. to actually do those three steps authentically. And I know you have some concepts or perspectives around the importance of being grounded. Absolutely. When we're talking about grounded, uh, we're leveraging the skill of mindfulness. So immediately people think about mindfulness as like meditation and I'm going to say my arms and whatever the case may be. But Mindfulness is your intentional redirection of your attention to the present moment, to the present task. And so when we're asking you to slow down and to think about what's going on, obviously, like you mentioned, that's so counterintuitive to grind culture because you're constantly moving to the next thing. And so even as you're doing your task, leveraging those five senses, what do you see, taste, touch, hear, smell, you know, uh, becoming... Uh, more intentional about building a healthy relationship to that experience. 
And I encourage people to do that because, you know, when we're old and gray, our memories are what keep us alive. And so it's going to be hard for you to be able to enjoy or look back or appreciate the life that you had if you're constantly moving from one thing to the next, slow down and build a healthy relationship with what you're doing so you can know your why. You know, you and I would talk about that often, like, okay, what is your why? How can we make meaning in this moment? How can we create a life worth living? Yeah. Yeah. And that actually requires us to pay attention (laughs) to what's actually happening instead of trying to rush past. Um, Oftentimes, that whole conversation around purpose, that people are so focused on that word purpose as something that is far down the road, and they're actually missing how to build a purposeful life by paying attention to the moment that they're in. And I know that you do a lot of work around really actually embracing um, how to slow down for your thoughts, how to get grounded, being mindful. And I'm and I'm curious, how does that connect with this whole conversation of wellness in the workplace? Absolutely. One thing that I noticed, especially when I entered into the coaching space, was a lot of individuals were struggling to be able to figure out where exactly they are in line. Right? Well, in order for you to establish boundaries, you got to figure out what parameters are putting place and where. And for individuals, if they're not slowing down and increasing mindfulness about their needs, they can't create solutions for their needs if they don't know what their needs are. So when we're talking about the workplace, if you know that you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, every time you put your key into the ignition to drive to work, you start to have this panic effect. It's figure out what are those uh, triggers, what are those warning signs, what are those presenting concerns that are prompting these responses. And then even then, when we identify those particular triggers, okay, what what can I leverage in order for me to be able to manage my emotions? That's the whole point of emotional wellness, the ability to cope with one's emotions, how to decipher them and to accept them for what they are. Oftentimes we get mental and emotional wellness confused because mental health is the umbrella. But when we're talking about mental health, we think about decision making, the processes, and how we interact with the world around us. But those emotions, they give us information. Our feelings give us information. And we find that when we walk into the workplace, we tend to leave our emotions at the door. There's so many different mantras that we tell ourselves: keep working, your personal life separate, keep your leave your emotions at the door. But we're human beings having a human experience. Yeah. And I want to just make sure that we double check your your um, sound uh, part and because I don't want anyone to miss anything that you're saying. Um, as we unpack that distinction between um, mental and emotional wellness and Can you pause again and for that staff person, as well as that leader who is noticing a a shift or change on their team with individuals who are not showing up the way Mm -hmm. they used to, 
can you put this context of, of understanding the difference between mental and emotional wellness in the context for a leader who's looking at something different about their staff? Absolutely. So individuals who may be struggling with their mental health, maybe disassociating in meetings, when you are talking to them, they're probably like glazed over. Maybe they're not really fully present. They're not aware. They're slow to make decisions on specific projects, so to speak, or they're not operating at their highest capacity or the capacity that they initially started off with. When we're talking about emotional wellness, the ability to cope with life challenges. So we're talking about the inability to remain flexible with change maybe shutting down, withdrawing, you start to find yourself isolating, you're in your office more, maybe you're not responding to teams or the Slack chat really clean. Or maybe when we're talking about the engagement with another individual, seeing that coworker or that colleague becoming very irritable uh, or very snappy in nature, or they become very short and low responses. So these are some of the signs or that leaders can look for when they have direct reports or maybe even contributors who are struggling mentally and emotionally. And what about if they're noticing that in themselves as leaders? Oh, can man. you can you talk a little bit about the accountability of that? Um, this whole being well when I'm in a leadership position? Oh, man, when we're talking about accountability, I immediately I think about relentless honesty. As a leader, it is your job to make sure that the first person you're honest with is yourself. If you are wanting your team to be honest with you and to show up, you also need to model what that looks like. And so sitting down, acknowledging what's going on, making sure that you recognize how am I navigating a transition you know, with leadership, there's a lot of pressure to appear like you have everything together, pressure to perform. So one practicing that relentless honesty, asking yourself those deep questions. I encourage leaders to do a thing called self-inquiry. So, you you know, those classic questions, the who, what, where, when, why, and how. Start off with one question. And then after you get a response, ask another question, ask another question, ask another question. So that can look like, Am I feeling okay today? No, not really. Okay, I'm saying no, not really. And does that mean I am okay? Does that mean that I am not okay? Well, no, okay. I'm going to take ownership of the fact that I don't feel okay. Why do I not feel okay? Well, because I didn't like how my supervisor talked to me and now I have to like convey this messaging to my direct reports that makes me feel uncomfortable. Another question, because sometimes we can get caught up in the whys, right? Well, when was the last time I felt like this? I felt like this two years ago before my promotion. How did that make me feel the last time? What worked and what didn't work the last time? How did how can I apply that in this moment? So you start to ask those different questions through the process of self-inquiry. This is resonating with me from last week's conversation with Aaron Darden. Um, and actually, we started off talking about um, how to address arguments within relationships. And we started with partners, but then it really transitioned into just as human beings. And she talked a lot about how you address your internal story 
so that you're able to articulate to others what you need, what next steps are. But sometimes we won't give ourselves the space to be relentlessly honest <laughs> with ourselves, which has other people, which then denies other people to have the permission to be honest with us as well. And, and, and then we're walking around being fake. <laughs> Listen, Dr. Jackson, you hit the nail right on the head. That keyword permission, giving yourself the freedom to be as so important. I think that's one of the uh, key facets to self-awareness, giving yourself permission to experience your emotions, giving yourself permission to be honest, not only with other people, but with yourself, giving yourself permission to acknowledge the stuff that you didn't address previously before. It's like, we can be our own gatekeepers or we can be the ones that are like, like putting holes in our own boat. And so giving yourself the opportunity to give yourself permission, that's so key. So you've shared the skill or the perspective of relentless honesty. You have really un just unpacked the importance of giving ourselves permission. I'd like to hear your perspective in how you're working with clients in this season. What's something that you're noticing as a trend that organizations are actually getting wrong? Mm, that's a good question. Let me sit and rest in that. I appreciate that. Oh, I just love that statement. <laughs> Let me sit and rest in that. <laughs> I, love, I, I love that statement. That is, that's powerful. Yes. We, we so seldom allow ourselves to really think about what does that mean before I, I uh, answer the question. Yeah. Uh, I notice um, I'm, I'm seeing the way companies define what wellness looks like. Mm. Um, I think for a while, there was a period where everybody was focusing on DEI. For anybody who doesn't know what DEI is, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and so wanting to make sure that diversity was present and wanting to make sure everybody had a voice or wanting to make sure that everybody was seen and heard. And that's great, that's amazing. We wanna make sure that people feel seen and heard. But while we're doing that, please make sure that you're creating spaces that are psychologically and emotionally safety because in the midst of our diversity, there also comes diversity in culture, diversity in thought, diversity in approaches. And so it's just like, yes, we want diversity, but what does diversity actually look like? And how can we make diversity applicable to the populations that are within the organization? Because everybody uh, encourages uh, Black Lives Matter, or maybe you know um, you have Asian American Pacific Islander or the Latinx community and all that jazz. But where are the resources that are representative of those specific populations? Where are the individuals and the staff members that are going to be able to relate to the way that these cultures show up, especially when we're talking about uh, emotionally, right? So there are some cultures that have a tendency of like stuffing or want to like have a stone face. There are other cultures that are more expressive. And so if you're wanting people to show up as their authentic selves, but shutting them down when they do, that's very contradictory in nature. So that's what I noticed. <sighs> 
See, I see. This is why we are such kindred spirits. <laughs> I just love it that the whole conversation of, um, so I do a lot of DEIB work. So the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work. And I, I often tell organizations that if you have um, the DEIB committee and they don't have a budget and they have no decision-making power, then that's actually just checking a box. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's actually investing in, if you want people to feel like they truly have power, that they actually can show up as leaders, not just about the corner office, but leadership from a place of influence, then you are, you're going to have to be willing to take it past just saying we have a committee of people, but we've actually invested financially in creating a shift and change in how we distribute funds and what we are spending money on. And we actually have also given them power to make decisions about some things with with guidance and feedback of course but it's not just a committee that meets once a month um and and that's it <laughs> right exactly right. exactly yes when you are um really thinking about how um legacy speaks how you desire your organization your approach to impact the planet, um, what's at the heart of your work? I think uh, the first thing immediately is helping people create lives worth living. Mm -hmm. that, what does that, that is, mean? Unpack yeah. that for me. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was thinking about, you know, when you're building a business, I think about your mission statement and envision statement and all that jazz. And ultimately, I want individuals to learn how to develop a sense of harmony in all facets of their life. So one of the schools of thought from like a therapeutic approach that I take is wellness counseling and wellness counseling forces an individual to see themselves from eight different dimensions. And we can dive into that a little bit later after the break. But I want individuals to see themselves beyond their, their thoughts, their feelings or maybe even like the physical components. But that also looks like diving into what you look like spiritually. What do you look like relationally, occupationally, financially, environmentally? What do you look like in all these different areas? So when we're talking about creating a life worth living, how can you, you know how we often talk about going from surviving to thriving, but let's go beyond just thriving. How can we learn how to have impact in our day-to-day -day life, you know, like we're so interconnected and we forget that. We forget that we're such an interconnected people. And so wanted to make sure that you enjoy your life, but also helping somebody else enjoy their life too. There is such a wealth in, and, and I absolutely do want to unpack those eight dimensions because I've never had a guest who went past the word thriving because I feel like that's such a catchphrase of you know you you don't want to survive you want to thrive but but you said not only thrive but let's create a life that's worth living acknowledging how we're interconnected and what immediately actually 
came up for me was the just a few days ago, um, I uh, traveled out to um, the western part of our state. And my opening activity with this um, team was actually asking them to think about seven descriptors about who they are that is uniquely their person, not what they do. I don't want your degrees, not your task, not not what you do, but what are eight, seven to eight things that that are tied to who you are, you will be surprised at the stairs I got. Yeah. <laughs> just I holding the pencil. Just holding pencil like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so when we come back from this break, I would like for you to continue to unpack for our audience this concept of living a life worth living, truly being well, and and what does that look like? And what can they begin to do to make that shift? So I know you have been enjoying this conversation uh, because I know I have. Um, <laughs> to be able to be in this space with such um, a spirit, a soul that absolutely um, resonates with the things that I value and the work that I do. This is just a treat, um, but we've still got more to share with you. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about what does Be Well look like in this season of our lives? We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. 
Hello, hello, hello. We have been having a conversation with Sierra Hillsman, and it has been one in which she's challenged us to catch, check, and change our thoughts, a level of accountability of really thinking about where you are, um, not being afraid to get grounded and present. Um, and and mindfulness is, is a process of being aware of your right now, going against counterculture of rushing and grinding and hustling. But what if you actually paused and asked yourself, am I okay? And waited for your mind to actually be <laughs> honest. She's been just giving us so many nuggets. And just before the break, she said that one of her desires with her company, with her work of Legacy Speaks, is to help people live a life worth living, not just to survive, not only to just thrive, but to live a life worth living. And she said there were eight dimensions of that. So Sierra, can you kind of go back to that conversation and continue to unpack that for us and what those eight dimensions might be? Absolutely. So anybody can go and Google this, but uh, SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse Mental Health uh, Services Administration, they develop a model uh, based upon a, a, a formal model previously before. Uh, it's called the Eight Dimensions of Wellness. And so it encourages individuals to look at themselves intellectually, socially, spiritually, occupationally, financially, emotionally, physically, and environmentally. And the reason why it's important for us to see ourselves beyond that is because oftentimes people only see themselves and their thoughts, feelings, and maybe even their physical. And sometimes, depending on who you are, you may add the spiritual component to it. But all of these themes are interconnected. And if you look it up, it's a, it's formed in, a, in the form of a wheel. And with it being in a wheel in a circle of motion, if one of those spokes are off, then it throws off all the rest of the spokes as well. This is important because it reminds ourselves that there are so many intersections within our life. And I always encourage people to go beyond that concept of, I need balance. I need balance. And I'm like, okay, well, when I explain it to my clients, like, actually, what does balance look like? Okay, well, it looks like a scale. In order for a scale to be balanced, you have to have equal weights on both sides. All right, cool. Realistically speaking, if you have these eight different aspects of yourself and you're trying to add equal time, equal effort, equal energy in all eight of those aspects, realistically speaking, can we even find balance in all of that? No. So let's shift from balance to harmony. What does it look like if we treat our lives like a symphony or orchestra? You know, with when you go visit the uh, orchestra, there's so many different components to it. You have the brass section, percussion section, the string section, the wind section. There's so many different aspects to it, but they all create a beautiful harmony, a beautiful melody. But with those instruments, not all of them are playing all the time. What happens? Some of them stop and they just don't pack up their stuff and leave. No, they wait until it's their time to re-enter into the song. And so remember, you as a human being, there's so many different components to your life, your 
an employer, an employee, you're somebody's child, somebody's sibling, you're somebody's friend, you're, you have all these different life roles. And that's great. That's amazing. Yay for you. But also remember that you don't have to operate in all those roles all at the same time. You don't have to tend to all those different facets of yourself all at the same time. Practice patience and grace with yourself. So when we're talking about a life worth living, go back to that word acknowledgement. Acknowledge what's going on in all of those different areas. How can you partner, maybe even create uh, relationships with three or four of those? And then it's okay to sit back and be like, wow, I did an amazing thing. I thoroughly enjoyed this, this thing called life in this moment. So yeah, before I get off into a tangent, that's literally what it is. <laughs> you know what? You could tangent away. I'm eating this all up because I knew what you were going to say. I, I as well, with clients, um, I, I have this whole image of like these balanced bowls of water and like to try and keep all these bowls of water equally full and all balanced, all is what that's not balanced. That's insanity. Like something I, I'm going to lose my mind trying to do all of that. And I love the, the imagery of the orchestra because um, I often talk about it being harmony as well and being able to prioritize. And when the the wind section isn't playing, it doesn't mean that the wind section is not important. It just means right now, strings has to be front and center. And it, you don't, you're not saying that thing isn't important. It just means how what needs to be front and center in this moment so that I can serve and be the best version of me on the planet and give and give the best portions of me? Um, because you you also created a picture for us of this interconnection mm -hmm. and you started the conversation at the top of the hour talking about how important community is. How would you define wellness in the context of community oh man it goes back to what we were talking about that i and the we component it's not i versus we it's i and we the we is comprised of so many different eyes and i don't think a lot of people like remember that the we mm -hmm. is comprised of so many different eyes so imagine if all these equally important eyes because there is no little eyes or no big eyes all these different equally important eyes took care of themselves how much stronger our communities would be wow if each one of the eyes actually took care of themselves how much stronger would the we be and that goes back to my my question because i literally have people who still are talking about feeling guilty for taking care of themselves like i can't mm -hmm. like my priority are my children or my my priority is to be able to help the community um my problems aren't aren't that important that what they're going through is more important and i feel like that actually has us get to a place where we actually can't serve the very thing we say is important because there's not enough of our wholeness for us to give, for mm -hmm. us to continue. Even though we said that supporting 
the family supporting the community was important. But just as you said, if all those eyes invested in their wellness, how much stronger would the we be? It, that is such a powerful image. When you are pursuing harmony, how can professionals begin to learn to create increase um, through their impact as well as financially um, stay strong? Um, sometimes when we are um, in spaces where we are moving a mission forward, something we want to make a big impact, <laughs> but we compromise and and we're not actually also increasing income. So in harmony, how can we actually still create impact and increase in, in our income as well? Absolutely. I, immediately, I think about going back to the word that you utilize at the top of the hour, permission, giving yourself permission to live in the both ends. Oftentimes mm -hmm. we feel like we have to choose one over the other. One has to be at a sacrifice or a detriment to the other. When working on one can help elevate the other. So for example, especially with leadership or maybe business owners or working professionals, figuring out how can I navigate my emotions? How can I learn how to cope this with this particular transition? Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's exciting. Yes, change is cool, but we understand that change becomes inconvenient at times. Let's acknowledge that, but also be open to the pivot. When we are pivoting and we're making the necessary shifts, pivot with direction. I think sometimes too, when we are navigating, okay, how do I increase my income? You often see individuals are just throwing ideas at the wall, you know, trying to figure out what's going to stick. Well, Remember, we were talking about solution focus. Solution focus also looks like being strength based. What are your strengths? Doing that self inquiry to figure out what has worked previously before. Let's start there. Let's double down on that. Let's tie in community. All right, cool. What are you great at? Where are you healed at? How can we leverage that? Leverage all of our strengths, leverage all of our capabilities, talents. How can we also? see how your strengths are going to speak to some of my weaknesses and you also build me up. There's just so many different things that we can leverage when we are taking the approach of the both. And it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be this or that. Let's try the both and approach. You just um, addressed that tension between competition and collaboration. Um, and if you were to think about um, what gets in, what are some of the, the greatest barriers to teams or an individual for them to live in, in the space of the both and? Um, what, what, what are you thinking about as, as some of the greatest barriers? Immediately communication, right? When we're talking about, I think we were talking about uh, 
the concept of DEI work, right? Everybody's speaking a different language, not just uh, language verbally, but also language physically. You also have uh, language in terms of like work ethic. So if we're talking about that workplace culture, making sure that you're creating a culture that is psychologically and emotionally healthy, making sure that there is a common message and a common theme that everybody can subscribe to. And if you can't subscribe to, is it something that we can work towards? If you have any issues, let's communicate. Um, one of the things that I help teams work with is their communication skills. So when we're talking about communication, it's not only what we say, but how we say it, who we say it to, and in what context, what we say, what is the messaging, what words are we going to utilize to convey this? Are we going to utilize Scholarly language, are we going to utilize third grade reading language? What are we talking about? Who we say it to? Who are you working with? You know, who are you working with? Who are you laboring with? What are their personalities? Where did they come from? What was their previous employment history? What is their approach? Who are you talking to? How we say it? The types of ways that we're saying it. Are you saying it with the attitude on your face? Are you saying it with a smile on your face? Are you saying it whereas you're sitting up? Or are you saying it whereas you're slouched? Like pay attention to some of those things. And even in what context, the relevancy. I think oftentimes when we're communicating or we're trying to um, live in the both and we're bringing in all these different ideas that aren't even relevant to that main goal. <laughs> so, yeah, those are the different things that I, I noticed with with teams that struggling to have a unified language and the inability to communicate with one another. I love that word relevant because I think about how sometimes out of a place of fear, people, teams, individuals, entrepreneurs, business owners, employers are literally throwing all these strategies at the wall. And like, if I just keep throwing as many approaches as possible, maybe something will stick. Mm -hmm. But going back to your comments earlier around mindfulness, that and, and for me, mindfulness is not just about me, the individual, but becoming more mindful of how I fill spaces and, and how I show up in spaces. Mm -hmm. And if if we can address the the fear response and actually listen for what's relevant for the community or the audience or the people we're actually trying to reach, let's listen more deeply like what's relevant to them. And that might mean that I have to change the way I've always done things. Ooh, that's an uncomfortable place. Absolutely. Dr. Jackson, you hit the nail right on the head when you talked about um, like operating in fear, because immediately I thought about the fight, flight, or freeze response, that stress response. Yeah. And what that looks like practically in the workplace when you're fighting, okay, I'm going to become argumentative or I'm going to send these harsh emails. And then when we're talking about that flight, okay, I'm going to just literally avoid the project altogether or I'm just going to hand the project off to somebody else. I'm going to run away from the, the perceived problem and then freeze. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to be quiet in the meeting because my voice doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. Yeah, I, I think about how when we're trying to um, 
keep up with this pace of change and growth. Um, and we have entrepreneurs and educators, uh, family members, parents, all kinds of people who are listening to this. And you've really encouraged us to think about the whole being, um, thinking, think about what we're thinking about, get honest with ourselves, um, process our own thinking. What would, what's on the horizon for Legacy Speaks? As you've shared so much with us <laughs> that we can take um, back into our work. What's, what's on the horizon for you? Oh, man, there's so many amazing things that are happening right now. We have the Legacy Speaks podcast where I collaborate with other healers, other individuals who focus on wellness, whether you're a clinician or a coach or somebody who's in the workplace. And um, we get opportunity to hear those conversations that are similar to this. We also have our impact and income goals coaching program. There, you get an opportunity to be able to work with me. We work uh, on a weekly basis for three months, and we just literally dive into maybe one to two problem areas so that we can learn how to increase that income, but also live a, a life that's worth living. And then also additional resources like co uh, like courses and eBooks. But those are the things that are going on with Legacy Speaks. If anyone is ever interested in training and development, I'm your girl. I love helping organizations. I love helping uh, corporations and business owners to help find that common language for the people that they're serving with. You also have a platform, um, or uh, as I've done my research on your work, where you help individuals um, navigate imposter syndrome. I, mm -hmm. I also think about as as change and the requirements of growth, having to continue to move forward, even in, as things are changing around us and, and worrying about that I'm, I'm actually not enough for a space. What, what are you saying to people who are actually shying or shrinking because of imposter syndrome? Yeah. Initially, I get people to put their thoughts on trial. And what that looks like is creating a list of trending thoughts that may come up for you, whether it be, I don't feel good enough or I don't deserve this promotion or a she doesn't compare to what I do or whatever the case may be. Let's create a list of all of those thoughts, figure out, okay, when did this thought occur? How long have I had this thought? Uh, and then we're also going to take some time to be able to challenge some of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important for us to put our thoughts on trial because our thoughts impact our feelings and they also impact our behaviors. So maybe if you say, I'm not worthy of this role. You're not going to show up in your fullest capacity. You might operate in maybe the fear of success. Oftentimes we talk about the fear of failure, but there are people who struggle with the fear of success. So let's address some of those things, those mental roadblocks there. Oh, this has been su such a rewarding um, conversation and I'm going to actually pose a question for you that a middle schooler um, shared with, asked me um, out one of our senators here um, in PA, Senator Vincent Hughes. I was a part of his project 
um, where we went out to several middle schools and talked about the kind of work we did. And I got the um, honor of this middle middle school group of young people um, who were so insightful. They asked these um, like amazing oh, questions, yeah. no script, no. I was looking to see like, where are you getting these questions from? <laughs> and I shared all of the work that I'm passionate about. And this middle schooler looked up at me and said, so what keeps you going? Because that sounds like a lot. I was mm. like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> What's keeping you going, Sierra? Mm. Yeah. I think the um, idea of developing a legacy, a legacy mm. of impact. So the name of my company is called Legacy Speaks. And one of the questions that I always ask my guests are, you know, what would you like your legacy to say about you? And I remember there was a quote by Dr. Maya Angelou, and she told Oprah that, you know, your legacy is not what you've done. It's how you made people feel. And so I've made that my mission because I know when we're talking about when we're old and gray, you want to look back at your life. You know, how did I make people feel? How did I plant the seed or plant my flag on like being a servant to other people? Because that's what being a human being is, being servants to other people. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And so we've got about three minutes left. And one of our faithful listeners has posted a question. She'd like to ask, LaToya said, how can a leader set the tone for the relevance of wellness when entering a new workplace, particularly where the climate and the moral um, morale has begun to decline? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you for that question. Immediately, I I'm uh, I like to investigate. So I want to know how long has this climate mm, been taking been place? Declining. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. So asking how long has this been taking place? What might have been the contributing factors? Mm -hmm. And then two, asking openly what their needs are, because I think as leaders, we go into these new situations thinking that we already know what needs to be done. And it goes back to knowing your audience, you know, having those open and honest conversations about asking, hey, what is it that you need from me as your leader? What is it that you need to feel safe in this particular work environment? And how can we work on this as a collaborative effort? And key emphasis on collaborative, because as a team, everybody needs to take ownership of their wellness. So as a leader, you know, immediately you have your resources from HR, you have your resources that you might personally have, but ask, get people to pull together. We know that this is an issue. How can we collaborate on this immediately? And then also too, as a leader, model what wellness looks like. You can't tell your mm -hmm. uh, your direct reports to be well, and you are literally working 12-hour shifts, or they see you being the last one in the office, or you're working through lunch. So set the tone by modeling what wellness looks like. Wow, we've got about 30 seconds left. How can people find and follow you? Absolutely. You can definitely tap into all things Legacy Speaks at LegacySpks.com. 
Once again, LegacySPKS.com. You can find me on YouTube at Legacy Speaks where I'm having more conversations like this. You can also check out the Legacy Speaks podcast on all of your favorite streaming platforms as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been um, a wonderful close to an amazing season. And I just appreciate um, how you are filling spaces and absolutely leaving a legacy that's impacting all of us. So thank you, my sister. Thank you so much, Dr. Jackson. I truly appreciate it. And there you have it. I wish all of you well. We're bringing this season to a close, but we've got some special things planned for you in our next season. So same place, same time next week, right here on the flip side. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.